Hello, welcome to Following Know It On, a Stormlight podcast. We will be going through the Way of Kings week by week, chapter by chapter, talking about it in depth. This is engineered towards the first time reader of the Way of Kings, but if you have read it multiple times, you're also welcome to join us. I have two friends that will be joining me. I have read it before, but my two friends have not. My older brother, Elliot, and my friend, Paul. Paul, can you talk to me about your experience with the Way of Kings so far? Certainly, Trevor. Uh, I'm listening to the audiobook currently, and I still do not know what following know it on me- means yet, but I'm really looking forward to finding out, as well as I'm looking forward to making some wrong predictions on what's going to happen throughout. Good, good. There's plenty of things to make wrong predictions about, as we'll get into in this first episode. Elliot, talk to me. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah, Trevor, I've got the ink and paper version of the book in my hands. I'm super excited to be picking this up and starting it for the first time. I think you've been bugging me to read this book for probably three years now. Uh, It's been on my list. I don't know anything about what's to happen, but I'm super excited to start this journey. I'm very excited for both of you to read this. I have loved these books for three years now. I'm This will be my sixth reread of The Way of Kings and Onward, and I am very very excited to work through this with you guys. All right, gentlemen, first episode of following note on a stormlight podcast. Today we will be doing the prelude, the prologue, chapters one and chapters two of The Way of Kings. Um, Before we get started on those, Elliot, do you have any predictions, expectations, hopes of not only The Way of Kings, but the whole Stormlight Archive that we're about to jump into? Ooh, big question to start out with. Absolutely. Um, Expectations, really high. You've you've sold this one pretty hard, so my my expectations are, are high. Um, I'm hoping for, I'm hoping for Epic. I'm hoping for a grand scale of story, which I think I've already gotten a little taste of that in these first few chapters. Um, yeah, I'm hoping for adventure. I'm hoping for, I'm hoping for good characters, characters I can root for, characters I can get behind. Hopefully they don't all disappoint me. We'll see. We will see. And you will get Epic, don't worry. Paul. (laughs) What are your expectations going into this? Also very big. Um, You've worked tirelessly to get me to to read slash listen to this book. Um, So I'm making a big commitment here. Um, I'm really hoping for some good character development. That's usually my favorite favorite thing in stories. It's what makes me really intrigued. So I'm really hoping for some of that. Um, I have very high hopes. I'm hoping it's at least... I'm hoping it will be as good as Lord of the Rings in my mind. Uh, you've sold it that high. Though, I have so sold it that high. That, that's not something I would say lightly. <laughs> it's not all. something that you should say lightly. As you can see, I am a Lord of the Rings fan from Slight what, what you can see. Casual fan. And yes, I do think <laughs> Brandon Sanderson is just as good as um, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. I am very excited about it. And Paul, um, wow. you're not necessarily a huge reader. Like you do enjoy reading, but you're not like the biggest reader. Elliot, you are more of a reader. Um, so that'll be interesting to see both of you guys' uh, 
reactions to it. So let's talk about the prelude. Any any interesting initial thoughts? Do you guys have any idea what's happening in the prelude? It's it, it throws you <laughs> in. It doesn't give any explanation. Yes, it very much just threw me right into this world. I don't know with these big monsters. I don't know. Um, but it was very uh, intriguing because that it shows that there's going to be a whole lot to learn about the uh, the world and the stuff. And also, I thought most notable was that the character uh, mentioned Kalak, mm -hmm. how he it says that he you know has experienced death and such. And so I'm really curious to see if people can like die and come back or something. I feel like that's something really interesting. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. Okay people dying elliot yes <laughs> yeah it was it was hard to hard to pick up on you know who exact where exactly we've been thrown into the action i mean i totally expect to pick up a an action fiction book and get thrown right into the middle of action but the question was like are the are we are we meeting soldiers are we meeting gods are we meeting you know kings I, i'm i'm kind of leaning towards the gods end of things with these guys clearly yes dying and coming back and and all this stuff but so many so many little names and references to things that i feel like i should know but i don't like what's a thunderclast and what's a surge binder what's a dust bringer what's a radiant like this it just kept coming and coming and coming I was like well, what's that what's that what's that yep all right good good yes it does give you like i think it gives you 10 or so uh nouns and it doesn't explain any of them it but i want to know now like i want to find out what these are all right well yeah yeah can you tell us no i can't tell you but thanks <laughs> nice what? try i thought that's what you were here for no i'm here to <laughs> laugh at you as you try to figure out what they are okay okay that works all right so something that really struck me i remember on my first read through i had no idea what was happening in the prelude and i assume that's the same for you but on my reread it's very striking to me how how much of an ending it feels like. It feels like he puts his sword in the ground and he walks off into the distance and the credits roll. <laughs> he, he he meets his friend, um, Kalak does, and they talk about how they're not returning to Damnation this time and... He feels very resigned to it because he really is afraid of it and doesn't want to. Um, and they resign themselves to they are going to strand their friend uh, alone in damnation and they leave. And that's the end of the chapter. That's the end of the prelude. It, it feels like an ending. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that guy is going to be really pissed. That's, <laughs> that's my prediction is that guy that they just ditched in damnation or hell or wherever he ended up he's not going to be too thrilled with that i don't think yep yep there's there's also there's plenty of stuff that i could try to explain here but we are just going to move <laughs> along because i i don't want to spoil anything all right um before we start the prologue it starts with a couple names and we have Paul, who is listening to the audiobook, and Elliot, who is reading the classic book. So we have an interesting little contrast here of Paul understands how Michael Kramer and Kate Redding on Audible 
uh, pronounce all of the names and has no concept of how they're spelled or doesn't mm -hmm. doesn't accurately know how they're spelled. He just knows how they sound. And Elliot is the traditional reader of he understands how they're spelled, but it's up to the reader to in, uh, to interpret how they're said. So, Paul, how would you spell the assassin in White's name? This is an easy one. Okay. The, the, the initial assassin in the prologue? Yep. It's just Z-E-T-H, right? Well, ha okay. And what's his name? Zeth. Okay. Z-E-T-H. Yeah. All right. Well, you're wrong. That's correct. Um, Elliot, how, how would you like or would easy. you like to correct him? Well, he, he kind of said it there, so maybe I can't. But having just read it, I, I think the pronunciation I would have gone for is Sezeth. Okay. Sezeth? Is it yeah. like Z-T something? Z-T-E-T-H? You can, you can give him the You're, spelling, Elliot. Not, not quite. The It's close. You're just missing one letter. It just starts with an S. So it's S-Z-E-T-H. Interesting. But Okay. But are you telling me that they just pronounce that Zeth? Yes. Zeth. They pronounce yep. it Zeth as in a Z and then E-T-H. So E-T-H, yeah. The, the S is silent is in the audiobook. Okay. I can, I can roll with that. I can roll with okay. that, I think. little... Little mental correction makes, makes it easy. Zeth Sun Sun Volano is his name. Mm. Um, okay, and Elliot. By the way, that was the only name that I really felt confident I could spell correctly. So, <laughs> well, you're in for a wild ride here. Over one. Yep. Elliot. Okay. What is? How how do you say the name of the king that is assassinated? I gotta find it here. Oh, wait, there it was. So the the king that gets assassinated, I I would read his name King. I'm I'm gonna go simple. King Gavilar. Okay. Uh, is there a last name there? Do you know his last name? Oh yeah, there is. Hold on. Hold on. How about King? Gavilar Colon. Colon. Okay. Um, Gavilar Colon. Paul, give me a stab at how to spell that. I'm also going to go pretty simple here. I'm going to go okay, Gavilar Colon. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. Wait, did I say it wrong? Yep. Elliot, give him the pronunciation. Or give him how you would say it again. Okay. Gavilar. Okay. So it's just G A V E. A L L A R. And the last name? Yep. K K H O L I N. Okay. Um Nice. You got the last name correct. The first okay. name is uh slightly different, but you got most of it. It's G A V I L A R. Gavilar. Okay. Gavilar Kalin. Who's the king who gets assassinated? Okay. Who Zeth assassinates? We got him. Okay. Our last one um, is from chapter two, and oh dear, he this is the slaver is... <laughs> that has Kaladin um, under his ownership. 
Elliot, how would you like to say this name? <laughs> no, you, I think Paul should go first. No, Paul, no, maybe? I think this is an Elliot go first one. <laughs> okay, okay. I also think this um, is an Elliot go first one. Ugh. All right. Again, I'm, I'm going to go with like a, a fairly straightforward phonetic pronunciation of a not very straightforward name. I'm going to go with the, the name of the slaver is Tevlakiv. Okay. All right, Paul. How would you like to spell this name, or how would you? How would I like to. How would you like to spell, or how would you say it first of all, and then how would you spell it? So the best I can remember it being said was Devlakov. Mm -hmm. mm. About like that Devlakov, but if he said, can you say how you did say it, Elliot? Tivlakiv. Like that gives me a lot of insight here. Okay, so I'm gonna go that it. <laughs> Good it's luck. either starts with a T or a D. I'm gonna go out there and say it's a T. So we've got Tivlakov. We're gonna go T I V L <laughs> You okay? <laughs> Tivlakov. All right, T I. I don't remember where I left off. T I <laughs> V L O C K O F. Is that a friendly that's, answer? That's it. That's I don't know. <laughs> I think you're about forty percent right. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. The entire name has one vowel. And it's yeah, a, you're still not going to okay. get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go different then. I'm going to go D, V, L, D, V, L, O, K, Y, F. That's my best guess. It's You're, You were close at that time, actually. Really? Okay, Ish. cool. So the correct spelling... Trevor put him out of his misery. The correct spelling is T-V-L-A-K-V. Tavlakov is how they say it in the audiobook. Okay. Um, I definitely thought that was a D, listening to the audiobook this whole time, every time I've heard it. It's it's a T. It's Tavlakov. All right. Um, okay. That was, well, that was fun. Paul's one... That was harder than I thought it was going to be. Paul's one for three. I thought I had it. I thought I had it. Actually, you, you misspelled Gavilar, too. So you're actually zero for three. But <laughs> I got colon. You did get colon. Give me, give me a half, half point. Give me a half, half point. point out of three. Yeah, we'll point. keep a tally somewhere. All right. Heading back to right the... <laughs> Heading back to... I don't, I don't trust you <laughs> keeping track of your own points. <laughs> no, we'll put, it, we'll put it in the video right here. All right. Prologue. Talk to me about Zeth Elliot. Mm. interesting character to to jump in and actually get to spend a little bit of time with i'll say that my biggest question after reading through the prologue is who is controlling him obviously he's he seems very torn between he has to do this thing but he doesn't really want to do this thing but then at the same time he he kind of seems to at least a little bit be enjoying what he's doing and not caring so much i don't know my my opinion of him changed like four times throughout just the one chapter 
Okay. Paul, talk to me. I think he, up to what we've read, I think he's the cool, most coolest and most interesting character because I don't understand much about him. His power, like what he was doing was really cool, kind of like bending gravity seemingly and stuff mm. I thought was really awesome. Um, personal favorite part. Um, and his like attitude was interesting. He wasn't like an assassin who wanted to kill the king i guess for his own beliefs mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't ever feel that way um yeah he's obviously sent by someone i'm very curious who and what kind of loyalty that implies um, i very much want zeth to come back in some way or find out more about him um, definitely the character i'm most interested in thus far okay so there's three there's three uh Three parts to Zeth, I guess, that you're trying, or that you should pick up on here. One is his religion, two is his mm -hmm. honor, and three is lashings. So his powers, his magical powers, they call them lashings. Mm -hmm. So his religion. He believes that you shouldn't walk on stone. Yeah. Why? They didn't tell you why. That's just what he believes. So he's got some <laughs> interesting, different beliefs from what like what we would call normal i guess so the alethi are the the center of roshar culture they are very much the conquerors they are they're they're the they're the widespread they're the english of western roshar society can we, can we pause on that for a second like i have a question there sure so there's a couple different names that get thrown out in both this chapter and the the next one's coming up. So you've got Alethi, mm -hmm. you've got Shin, you've got Parshendi. There's a couple others they throw in there too. Okay. Are these nationalities or are these races or are these like families? I didn't quite get that. They're they're races. So races. A, okay. A Parshendi is a different race than a a a human. But a human, but a an Alethi and a Shin are both human. So uh, okay, Alethkar is a nation. The Alethi are from Alethkar. Shinovar okay. is a nation. The Shin are from Shinovar. The Parshendi are a different race entirely. Got it. So Parshmen are and forever have been the last four thousand years on Roshar, are docile creatures as opposed to humans that are slaves um and so now with the with the discovery of parshendi all of cultural lines across roshar are going to be blurred because nobody parsh parshmen have no rights parshmen are are not viewed as human from for everybody mm. on roshar but now that parshendi have been discovered they don't they don't know what to do with them they just made gotcha. and they just made a peace treaty with the Parshendi uh, in the prologue, but the Parshendi immediately broke it by assassinating Gavilar Kolin. Thanks, Zeth. Thanks, Zeth. Yeah, thanks, Zeth. <laughs> but specifically, and Zeth tells you this in the prologue that he 
has no intention, doesn't want to assassinate Gavilar. It's just he, that's what his master's, excuse me, that's what his master's told him to do, and he doesn't question it. Which has something to do with him being truthless, which I don't know what that means yet. Correct, you don't know what that means yet. <laughs> I did think that the lashings was, was particularly fascinating. I I, I was curious coming into this book what what flavor of magic we were going to have. I knew there was going to be magic just from, you know, first impressions or whatnot. But, you know, what kind of type of magic is going to be kind of a nebulous, undescribable magic? Is it going to be a very, like, mathematical, physical science? And lashings makes me think it's more on the latter side where magic has very specific rules and it's powered I guess so far by the the stormlight, so he has to have the stormlight in order to to do these magical actions with the, the lashings. So I'm curious to see if that holds or if that's going to change. So Brandon Sanderson, in his uh, lectures at BYU, explains he has a he has a lecture on creating creating magic systems in fantasy writing and he splits it into two different magic systems of hard and soft magic systems and he explains it with lord of the rings a hard magic system is one that has explicit rules of it, you mm -hmm. can use this magic but it comes at a cost aka the ring you can use the ring and it goes invisible and you go invisible however the ring race and the sauron are going to find you also you're probably going to go insane <laughs> you get to live forever and you get to go invisible but you're going to go insane so there's also soft magic also in lord of the rings gandalf has a bunch of magic in the lord of the rings that he can do and you don't know why you know he can do cool stuff you don't know what it costs right. but he can he can make doors glow he can make fl bright lights flash at parties he can do all sorts of cool things but you don't know what it costs him or why he does it when he does it. So, um, lashings, and it you'll get a lot of clear rules later, um, has is a very hard magic system. has very clear rules, yeah. very clear. It, it's more like a force of nature than it is a... He, he tries to explain it as if it's a force of nature. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. That's... The only, oh, and Zeth's honor is what you're supposed to pick up from the the prologue. So he very clearly, from his perspective at least, it's a clear thinker. He's not crazy, but he he was told to kill this kill the king and be seen doing it, and he's going to do it because of uh because of his honor. And this is a very extreme, that this is one extreme. In the next two chapters, we'll talk about the other extreme of honor. The first extreme of honor is, I believe that I have to, I, I believe what I'm doing is right, and I will do whatever, I will do whatever I'm going to be told to do, because I believe that they are right. So he is going, he has blind trust in whoever is telling him to do these things, even though what he thinks, even though he thinks killing people is wrong, he's going to kill people 
because he thinks that they are right in telling him to do so. So he's going to keep his honor, keep his word to them, no matter what they tell him to do. And it's it's even more than that, too, because in the chapter he talks about almost a part of him almost wants to die. Like part of him almost wants to fail in this mission, but his honor won't let him do that. Correct. His honor won't let him fail against the, the shard bearer, which we learn is the, the king later, even though part of him almost wishes he'd like put him out of his misery or something like that. Correct. I thought it did a great job of not just I whenever I read a book about fantasy and fighting or and such, I always expect like good envisioning of the battlefield and such, but I wasn't expecting to see so much of of Zeth's thought process and how he meticulously thought out like this is going to happen and these are my motives almost for doing things or why I won't do things and such. He was a very like calculated and such and uh yeah I, I that was like almost took me by surprise i wasn't expecting something like that from this assassin cool on the topic of the magic in this world um i feel like i'm gonna open a, a whole can of worms here but i'm dying to talk about spren and because it talked, it talked about them quite a bit in the prologue. I believe it was talking about fear spren and how they were like purple, kind of like globs. Okay. And there seems to be spren for everything. There's water <laughs> spren, wind spren, fear spren, rot spren. Like I almost think of them as like the atoms of this place. It's just tiny little like living things almost, you know. Okay. Um, really. I don't even know what to think about them. I'm, I've honestly like tried not to think too much about it because I feel like I'll confuse myself. <laughs> some water when we spread. First... <laughs> I've got some thoughts spread on this. The <laughs> when we first when we first encountered them, I thought it was just going to be like emotions or like physical, like bodily effects, like fear and hunger and things tied to people. But then later on, yeah, we run into like like you said, rot spread and wind spread and, and obviously spread spread into other things too, not just like people's reactions to things. It's, and then, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in chapter two, we really dive into what are these spread capable of, or what, what are they? I want to know. Understandable, understandable. So what I will say on spread so far is they are visual embodiments of nature. So can everyone see them? Yes. Um so there are some visible spren and some un invisible spren. Uh, oh man. It mentioned with the wind spren that they could like choose to just be seen by who they were trying to torment Correct. at the time. Um mm. I remembered that. As far as other spren, I it I don't remember any specifications. So so yes, most spren are visible as far as raw emotions and raw elements like elements of nature wind water um, fire like that type of thing you can the, the spren are going to uh, what's the word i'm looking for gravitate towards the what type of what type of element they are so if you're very afraid 
you're going to attract fear spren. If you're on fire, you're going to attract fire spren. If you're falling off a cliff, you're going to um, attract wind spren. So um, let's talk about uh, chapter two with the, the with the quick wind spren. We'll go back to chapter one here in a second. But the the wind spren kind of freaks Kaladin out because the wind spren is talking to Kaladin. And Kaladin uh, explains to the reader that no spren talk. Spren are, spren are very, um, like, they, thoughtless beings, I guess you could call them. They just gravitate towards whatever. They're just part of the scenery. They're more like insects more than, more than sp spirits, I guess. And then more than that, the the spren knows his name right without mm -hmm. without him even you know mentioning that. Which, yeah, right off the bat, I I was a little suspicious of the spren, and and maybe we'll find out later. But is it actually a spren, or is this something else like masquerading as a spren? And also That's said, I, I don't mean to answer the question with a question. Um, <laughs> I don't even think I'm answering the question at all. But it said specifically with the the sprint in chapter two the wind sprint that they can kind of like take a shape of whatever they want it, it it talked about the wind sprint taking the shape of like a, a a woman and such and i don't know if they can just kind of be whatever they want or if this one is unique and the other wind sprint kind of all look the same um kind of confused but so wind sprint usually appear in one form but some spren can change forms, and wind spren can change forms. So, so wind spren, let's say they're blowing past a cloud, they're going to look like a cloud. If they're blowing with some leaves, they're going to look like some leaves. Or if they're, I don't know, you, you, you kind of get the gist. But yeah, uh, this one changed forms on the spot, which is also an anomaly. Suspicious. All right, um, let's talk about Kaladin. Chapter one, you actually are thrown into the perspective of Sen, who is a 14-something-year-old boy, 12-year-old boy, something like that, who's thrown into the army. This is his first battle. And he, at the last second, changes... Uh, What's the word? What's the platoon? Was what I always think of, but I don't know if that's accurate. Right. What? Whatever the word. They squad. Use yeah, changes squad. Squad. Yeah. Um, to Kaladin squad, and he doesn't understand why. Uh, so let's talk about Sen for a second. Did any of you like like Sen? Dislike Sen? Have any cares for Sen? For Sen? I liked Sen. Uh. I feel like I can relate to Sin in the in the sense that he doesn't know what's going on, and in this book so far, I don't really know what's going on. But you know, he comes in and you know, kind of sees Kaladin, and you know, him and at this point, Kaladin storm blessed and all his glory and such. Um, and he he's really confused. Um, but I also liked how the whole battle and the whole chapter chapter one really i feel like set a stage for um 
what what battles and such will be like with uh Dalit referring to everything as a minor border dispute after it seems mm-hmm. to be a huge it seems to be much bigger than that. <laughs> right. So Yeah. Go ahead, Elliot. Yeah, if that was a minor border dispute, man, it's gonna be crazy once we get to an all out war. Mm-hmm. I I definitely felt I definitely felt sorry for Sen the whole the whole chapter, you know, why why is a fifteen year old getting thrown into to all of this? Are is the the army really in need of soldiers that bad or what kind of civilization is this that's conscripting the fifteen year olds? Good. Or did he volunteer or I don't know. I felt sorry. Poor guy. Poor guy. I felt like he was also in like the coolest group though. I f- it seemed like Kaladin Stormblast group was the coolest. Like, wow, I get to be with Kaladin and and stuff. So, yeah, I felt like he was kind of lucky. Like, he was the one chosen kiddo to to be in that group. So this isn't. Yeah, Kaladin definitely shows his his honor right off the bat. Right where you you learn that Kaladin specifically picked Sen to you know watch out for him and take care of him and. I think I think Kaladin felt sorry for Sen too, and, and wanted to, to keep an eye on him, which which says a lot already about Kaladin. And then I, at the beginning of the chapter two, it says specifically how at the beginning of the battle, Kaladin stands out in front of his squad. He's he's the tip of the spear. He's not like the other squad leaders that kind of you know lead from behind and direct people where to go. Uh uh-uh. uh He's he's out there. He's going to take the brunt of it. He's leading by example. Very very honorable. Yeah, I I love Kaladin. I love. Uh, Kaladin is the main character of this story and that, that's not very really much a spoiler and I think it's very interesting that Brandon Sanderson chose to introduce Kaladin through somebody else's eyes as opposed to write the chapter through Kaladin's eyes of trying right. to trying to keep track of this 12 year old boy and presenting him that way as opposed to you're learning about Kaladin through everybody else's eyes Everybody else sees him as storm blessed or the honorable like captain squad leader. The you see what I'm saying that you're not you're not yep. you're seeing him through his reputation, and he's also very young. He's ex- extremely young, and he's already got this reputation of Kaladin storm blessed. And Sen had already heard of him before he was even in this in this army in this squad, and so that's. That that speaks a lot as Brandon to Brandon Sanderson as a writer to talk about Kaladin that way, of introducing Kaladin your main character through somebody else. I thought that was interesting. Elliot, uh, in your chapter one notes, you have what is with the warped air around him on page forty one. Would you like to pull out this question? Yeah, let me let me read a little section on this because this this caught my eye and made me made me wonder. Let's see here. So this is is right in the middle of the action. So Sen Sen has gotten separated, and and Kaladin comes in to to save him, and Kaladin's facing down a a bunch of enemies. And let's see, it jumps in here. A third man froze, 
looking at his fallen allies. Kaladin shoved past a wounded enemy and slammed his spear into the gut of the third man. A fourth man fell with a knife to the eye. When had Kaladin grabbed that knife? He spun between the last two, his spear a blur, wielding it like a quarterstaff. For a moment, Sen thought he could see something surrounding the squad leader, a warping of the air, like the wind itself become visible. What the heck was that? Is that some kind of, like, magic? Or is this just Sen's delirious because he's, I think he's injured at this time? Yeah. He is. That, that caught my eye as interesting. Maybe there's more to that. Probably just wins, friend. Just Probably spin. possible. Yeah. yeah. Excitement spread. Yeah. So, uh, so this is a this is a good question. If you if you spin around in circles really fast, do you co- do you collect wind spread or dizzy spread? Dizzy spread. Bin spread. Yeah. Do you think there's like battle spread and spear spread? Probably. I'd believe it. Probably. I'm talking through a microphone spren right now and using my computer <laughs> spren, so I believe anything but that, uh, with spren but then is there's probably the existent. So here's the question. Is that one computer spren, or is it like a hard drive spren and a monitor spren? Oh, no, it's, it's just computer spren. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's just computer spren. Yeah. All the sprens. We can just only see some of them. So he's known as Stormblast, and my guess on that, my prediction, is that and maybe he just has like this incredible aura and maybe other people kind of see what Sen is seeing. Maybe it's not like physical, like very deliberately the wind is like, I don't know, moving him through battle or something, but yeah, that he just really has this like strong, swift aura and it's like noticeable and people can kind of like, I don't know, feel it or notice it and such. And that would be my guess. That's, I feel like it might be kind of time tied to his name. I mean, the name could be totally unrelated but that's my that's my thought on that interesting interesting lots of questions no answers yet mm-hmm. i i don't mm-hmm. look i don't like that look in your eye oh it's all right that's the that's the i know but i'm not gonna tell you look well if i told yeah. you it wouldn't be any fun now would it that this is uh, true i would enjoy it but it's okay <laughs> so so chapter one kaladin is almost this deific is that is that the right word deific vision in sends in sends vision he he's heard of kaladin kaladin's very honorable and you you jump to chapter two and kaladin is uh ricketing along in this old slave wagon and it's it's a very very much a darker tone than what you were just than what you were just reading the, the chapter before and uh do either of you know the title of this of this chapter off the top of your head? Off the top something, of my head? Honor? It's Honor. Can something. I cheat and, and look in my book? The, t- the title of the chapter is Honor is Dead. Mm. So there's a very clear division line between Kaladin now and Kaladin eight months prior. Uh, he is, you're in Kaladin's, you're in Kaladin's head in chapter two, and he, he explains how he certainly hasn't given up yet, but he is certainly a lot closer to giving up than he ever has been. He's, he's very low, very depressed. Despair is a good word for it. 
he he has certainly tried to escape multiple times since he's become a slave. Uh, I think he said ten attempts in like the last I don't remember how long six weeks or six months or something. Yep, six months. Quite a lot. Yeah, and uh, it's it's just a very different tone between chapter two and chapter one of where Kaladin's at mentally and and physically. I really like in chapter two, there's a big distinct, like lots of distinguishable elements between him and the other prisoners. Mm -hmm. It talks about how things like he can read glyphs and it talks a little more about his like talents and skill set and such and how, you know, he's always looking for a weapon and of some fashion and how he's, Still, even though he's like malnourished and broken mentally and such, that he he's like actively working to escape. I don't know where he wants to go after he escapes or what his plans are, but you know he wants to escape. Um, However, he does tell his fellow slave mate when his, his his fellow slave comes and approaches him, gives him half of his bowl, and it's like when you when you escape take me with you because he's expecting that he will escape because he's heard of him <laughs> and Kaladin is is kind of resigned at this point and he says I what's the point they're just going to catch me again I'm not going to escape so we're definitely on a downward spiral as opposed to that's true it was a... it, it's a very it's a very low low compared to chapter one for sure but towards the end of the chapter there's there's still a glimpse i think of of his honor like he's he's resigned to being a slave he's kind of given up on trying to escape he's given up on caring about the other slaves around him but then when the slave master to to, to vlakov to vlakov to vlakov, to vlakov goes to kill the the sick slave he kaladin like he can't hold himself back from stepping in and trying to to help that guy. He's he almost tries to not care, but he can't not care. He has to care. Exactly. And so he does jump in and tries to to help him and ultimately you know fails and, and kind of falls back into that state of d despair. But I think the honor's not completely dead. It there's still a little bit there, but he's he's definitely fallen a long, long way. Yeah. So there's there's a very the, there's the dichotomy dichotomy of two two different views on honor. Honor is dead, and there's no reason to care anything care about anything anymore. And Zeth, where honor is everything, and I'm going to do everything that they ask me to do because of my honor. I'm going to obey them. So where do where do principles come in here? Are you are you going to abandon your principles and follow honor to the letter? Or are you going to abandon your principles and not care about honor at all? You know? Yep, for sure. Certainly. It feels almost like Kaladin serves as a compass for moral behavior in the story thus far, in that he's not taking anything from anybody. He's uh, discerning what should be done like in his own mind. It also talks a lot he remembers a lot about stuff his father taught him, which I thought was interesting. Also, 
showing more of his skill set in um, like healing and surgery, I guess, like basic knowledge of medical needs and such. You can see like whenever he tries to help with the sick prisoner and such, as well as in the chapter one, uh, binding wounds and such is uh, also another thing that kind of distinguishes him above other people and shows, you know, he he's had a, even though he's young, he's had a lot that's happened that puts him like as a very very notable, um, strong character. Yeah, he definitely seems a bit mature beyond his years, and mm-hmm. I, I picked up too on the the medical side of things, and especially the references to his father. It makes me wonder who his father was that he had such medical knowledge that he passed down to his son. We do get to learn a lot of these things that we're discussing very quickly. So you won't be in the dark for too long. Don't worry. Whew, good. But then there are some things that we've brought up that we won't learn till book three. So don't worry about it. Mm. <laughs> I, what I wanted to bring up next, which I hope we'll find out before book three, is with Syl, the the quirky little windspun who knows his name. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I thought it was very interesting that, you know, she knows his name and such. We touched on that earlier. Um, but I not only is she, I guess, smart for a sprint, but I really like how she seems clueless. She's asking him about, like, what's that leaf you got in your hand? And why are you here? Like, what are you doing? Like, very clueless, even though she knows a lot. She knows a lot and nothing at the same time. Right. She's, yeah, she's very much... She's very much beginning, just like her co- cognitive self, I guess you'd say. She's very new. Yeah, it's how I imagine a child would be if, like, a newborn child could speak almost. It's like, I don't know, somewhat. Maybe that's a bad comparison, but no, I, I very, very like, naive um, and such, but. Yeah, that that's the exact word I was gonna bring in is I the the little windspread came off as very naive and, and innocent, very much like a child. I think you're spot on. Good, good. Well, I don't think we can go any further without reading any further. So we can wrap this up. Uh Paul and Elliot, do you have any predictions on what our name means going forward? Any any guesses? <laughs> So we're following someone very important. Okay. Um, that's all I got. We're following something very important that we'll find out. <laughs> okay. No one is important and so, we're following him. Okay. Yes. For a reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, so clearly Noadon must at this point be a knowledge spren and ah. he takes the shape of a book and he just kind of, floats around and we're like chasing after him trying to to catch the the knowledge spread named know it on i have no doubts i really like the knowledge spread idea okay okay <laughs> all right knowledge spread and important guy all right those are our two yes. predictions why are we following him because he knows the answers to our questions yeah we got to we got to get the knowledge from him we're gonna figure out what spread are he Maybe he created Spren. Who knows? Oh, 
He's the original. He's sprint. the original sprint. That's our. That's yes. our prediction. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. Perhaps solved. Episode one. Yep. All right. Well, we will. We will be doing chapters three through six next episode, and that will be live next week on Tuesday. Thank you for joining me, Paul and Elliot. It's been a, been of a pleasure. Course. See you guys next week. You're welcome. Thanks for guiding us through. Yep. Thank you, Noah Don. I am not Noah Don. Let's get that clear now. I am not <laughs> Noah right. Don. You're, you're Noah Don. Us three are following Noah Don. I might be a little bit in front, and you two are following okay. me following Noah Don, but I am not Noah Don. <laughs> okay, Noah Don. We'll see. Okay. All right. <laughs> Until next week. <laughs>